Good morning, everybody. Is this on? Can you hear me? Wow, this tiny thing makes so much sound. It's amazing. I want to invite the preteens whom we love, and because we love you, we want to invite you to go to your session right now. So please go ahead to your class, preteens, join Michelle upstairs. And the rest of us, because we love you, we invite you to stay. Because this is the house of the Lord, and we have gathered in his name to worship him, to hear from his word. My name's Bronwyn, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to open God's word to us today and trust that he will speak to us. As I was coming into the building this morning, I saw a vision of loveliness. It was Anne Williams getting out of her car. And I said, you look beautiful from head to toe. And she said, I'm coming to the house of the King of Kings. That's who she's here to meet. That's who we're all here to meet. The one more lovely, more radiant than the morning. The one who put the stars up in space and who calls us and says, look at my face. The one who fills us with his grace and who says, when you look at me, you become beautiful. And you are full of my light and holiness and truth. And all you need is in me. Do you believe that today? All you need is in the Holy One. And there is nothing you need that is not in him. Today we're going to learn about a magnificent king. This week on Thursday, I was hanging out in this room, and there were two kids from Sunday school here, staff kids, mind you. And I said to them, what do you know about Solomon? Thinking we've taught Solomon. You must know about Solomon. And they racked their brains, and they said, he was a man. I was like, good, that's a good start. Anything else? He was a king. Yes, true, he was a king. Anything else? And they had nothing. I'm like, don't they teach you anything in Sunday school these days? <laughs> of course, that's my job. So, you know, I'm taking the burden. I hope some of you know who Solomon is already. And if you don't already, I hope that by the end of this service, you will know Solomon. But... I hope you will also know even better. The one of whom scripture says, there is a greater than Solomon that is among you. Isn't it wonderful that one of the few people Jesus compared himself to was Solomon? And he said, I'm even greater. So I have questions for you. Since we're hanging out in this room together, what do you know about Solomon? Can any of you, anybody, call out one thing about Solomon? What do you know about him? He was wise. Very good. That was a wise answer. I like it. Thank you. Anybody else? What else do we know about Solomon? Wives. That too. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Two ends of the spectrum. Wise and many wives. Yes. And in between? 
David's son, yes indeed, his beginning, a strong beginning, son of David, the man after God's own heart. Somebody over here? He built the temple, right? Before that, the people had been wandering in the wilderness with the tabernacle that was a movable tent. Then finally the land was established and they came into the land, but they were fighting all their enemies and that was the background. And they were finally established and David had it in his heart that he wanted to build a temple for the Lord. Because why, he said, should I live in a house and you live in a tent? How can that be? You need a magnificent home, oh great God. And God said, David, I see your heart, but I also see your hands. And on your hands, there's blood, David, because you have been a warrior, and you have been fighting, and you have settled the land, but you're not the one to build my temple. In our world, very often, we want to be David. We want to be a person after God's own heart. We want to be the one who's remembered as a shepherd, as a wise one who was able to lead the people as one who wrote the Psalms and could sing songs of praise. That's who we want to be. We want to be David. But God says, I don't only need David. Isn't that kind of cool? God said, David, you're not the one to build my temple. Your son, Solomon, will be the one. Now, maybe you look at your life and you think, how come I'm not the one? You know, how come I can't do it all? No, because we are all called for a place in God's kingdom. So maybe the thing that you've been really hoping for, maybe you need to say, God, that's for something, somebody else. Or maybe the thing that you feel like, I feel like I really, really, really don't deserve this. God says, you're the one. Step up. It's your turn. You don't have to be David. You have to be you. So we come today to Solomon. This is how Solomon is described. Who is this coming up from the wilderness like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and incense, made from all the spices of the merchants around the world? He's radiant and glowing, outstanding amongst 10,000. Look, it's Solomon's carriage, escorted by 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel, all wearing the sword, experienced, prepared for the terrors of the night. Come out and look. He's altogether lovely. Look on King Solomon, wearing a crown. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Isn't that a pretty good description? Like, I would quite like someone to describe me like that. Radiant and glowing, my beloved, my friend. Altogether lovely. That is from the writings of Solomon. Solomon was a writer. He wrote quite a lot of the Old Testament. He wrote the wisdom literature. Because he was wise and given the gift of wisdom. He described himself 
that way. Can you believe he described himself that way? You might almost feel like he was saying, you know, it was like the song, he walked into a party like he was walking onto a yacht. His hat strategically tipped below one eye. His scarf, it was apricot. You know that song, right? And how does it end? You're so vain. Solomon looked at the whole world and he said, you're so vain. Because that was another thing Solomon did. He explored all the wisdom of the world because God gave him wisdom. And he sought out wisdom from all over the earth. The book of Ecclesiastes doesn't say who the author is. It says it's a preacher. But it says it's the son of David who was king. So probably Solomon. And he says, I explored the wisdom of all of the world and I found out it was vanity. It was meaningless. So maybe he wasn't so vain. He found that out for himself. Today we are going to look at Solomon. We're going to look at two kings, one question, and a choice. Are you ready? We're going to have two kings, one question, and a choice. Who is Solomon, the famous king? Let's go back to his beginnings. What do we know about him? He's written about in the Old Testament. In the end of First Samuel, of Second Samuel, we read about his birth. Then we read about him in First Kings, and we read about him again in Chronicles. So that's where we read about Solomon. But he's mentioned in other parts of the Bible. He wrote the Song of Songs, which is the Song of Solomon. He wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote a lot of the Proverbs. By the way, did you know that there are 31 Proverbs, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs? And a wise thing to do would be to read one of those a day because they fill a month. 31 Proverbs, one a day, you might gain some wisdom. Those are the writings of Solomon. And we read about Solomon's story. First of all, Solomon, as somebody said in the back, he was the son of David. Where do we find that? We find that in, I'm hoping I'm finding it here, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, you remember David, the great, great king, the shepherd king, the giant killer. Solomon was the son of a celebrity. Solomon was not only the son of a celebrity, he was the son of a celebrity couple, if you can believe it. And Solomon faced many of the things that we face in our world. None of us here probably are celebrities, but we know all about celebrities and celebrity couples and all the stuff that happens in their lives. Solomon was the son of a celebrity couple. His father was David, the great king, the musician who wrote Psalms, God called a man after my own heart. We talked about him already. Who was Solomon's mother? Bathsheba. Now, another celebrity, for sure. A woman who was so famously attractive in her youth that even on his deathbed, when she showed up in the room, King David listened to her. Through his life, Bathsheba was a strong influence and presence. Bathsheba so beautiful that David killed a man so that he could marry her. You remember that story. Well, they had a child. You remember that story. 
they had a child, David and Bathsheba, a child who was born out of this violent act of the husband being killed and the wife being stolen away so that King David could have pleasure, that child died at birth. But soon after, David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and another child was born. And when he was born, they called him Solomon. Solomon means peace. It's like the word shalom. God has brought peace now to this land, said the warrior King David. And in this baby, God's peace will rule this land. God has brought peace to my heart, said King David. After my sin, after my wrongdoing, I confessed I repented. And God has brought peace to my heart. And it's evident in this baby. Solomon was called Solomon, the man of peace. But that's not all. God loved that baby. Did you know that even when you've done something horribly wrong and you've made a terrible mistake, God can walk with you through that and bring you to the other side and show you deep love even in that situation? It's true, because after Solomon was born from this same couple, David and Bathsheba, the infamous couple, after Solomon was born, here's what we read in 2 Samuel 12, 24. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, this baby Solomon, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Now, if you loved your son, would you name him Jedediah? Maybe not, although I have to tell you my nephew named his son Jed. That's because my nephew's a cowboy, and Jed's such a good cowboy name. Jedediah, though, is an extremely special name. It means beloved. God said, I love this one. I love this young man. I love this baby. I'm calling him beloved. Solomon was beloved from birth. Beloved by God. What more do you want? Well, Solomon was also, as he grew up, Solomon was also anointed. He was anointed not just to be one of David's sons, not just to be a leader in the land. He was anointed to be king. David had many sons. Absalom, you remember. Some of the others you may remember. David had many sons and all of them wanted to be king. So this was not an easy throne to take over. But at the end of his life, David said, Solomon is the one who will reign after me. Go call Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet. Anoint him with olive oil and he will be the king in my place. Kings were anointed. They were anointed with the same oil that was used to light the lamps in the temple of the Lord, showing that they would be the light of God amongst the presence of the people. Solomon was anointed. Solomon was also gifted. Somebody said Solomon was wise. We know Solomon was wise, and we know that he was wise, not just because he said wise things and did wise things and was able to spread the territory of the kingdom so far by the alliances that he made and by his wisdom in being a peaceful king who drew nations together. We don't just know it because of that, but we know it 
because he received wisdom as a gift. We read that in, my Bible has so many papers in it that they're all going to fall out. Yes, they started already. So let me see if I have it in my notes here. You remember the story that when Solomon was being crowned king, God came to him in a dream and said to him, ask for anything you want. Guys, what if God came to you in a dream and said, ask for anything you want, what would you say? I see some smiles. Because there are things in our hearts that we really, really want. I remember when I was a kid, I used to wish on stars. Do you ever wish on stars? Look up at the stars, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. And then I would wish. And I would always wish that all my wishes would come true. Because <laughs> I thought that's the safe wish. If you wish that all your wishes come true, wow, that's so wise. That would have been a very unwise wish, I can tell you that. Because if all my wishes came true, I would be in such a disaster. But anyway, Solomon was not so stupid. He said, give me wisdom. I have this country to rule. There's all these people who are vying for the throne. He didn't ask for a sword so he could kill them. He didn't ask God to destroy his enemies. He didn't ask God to make his name great. He asked God to give him wisdom so he could lead well. He asked for a gift that he could give away. Isn't that beautiful? And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I will give that to you and I will give you everything else as well. I will give you riches. I will give you honor. I will give you a name. I will give you a promise. Here's my promise. God's promise to Solomon came with a condition. The condition was, if you follow me, if you stay with me, if you will be mine, if you will live up to your name, beloved, I will be yours. I will give myself entirely to you. I will be on your side. I will be your God. You will be my people. Your name will continue on as the name of David's did. God gave him so much. And then we come to the next point. Solomon was diligent. He worked hard. He established the kingdom. But he went a little off. We see it as soon as he was anointed, as soon as he was crowned king. As soon as he was crowned king, do you know what he did? First of all, he did a good thing. He took care of all the enemies of David. He got them out of the way because he wanted to avenge and uphold the name of his father. Fantastic. But then as soon as he was doing stuff in his own name, he married the daughter of Pharaoh. Hmm, you might say that's fine. That's pretty smart. That's a good alliance. He married the daughter of Pharaoh. So now Egypt and Israel are joined together. This is good, right? Hmm. Not so good. It sets Solomon on a pattern that we know about. Wives. Many wives. He didn't just marry many wives because they were so lovely, although probably a lot of them were. But he married them to have allies around the world so that that country won't fight against me because I'm married to their daughter, right? Solomon started to rely upon himself. Why? God had said, I'll give you everything. I'll be on your side. I'll defeat your enemies. I will be your God. But Solomon was afraid. Dig into your heart. Where are the fears in your heart? Where's the emptiness 
Where's the loneliness that makes you want to reach out to something else to give you help? What are you looking for as your stronghold? In that, Solomon was not wise. But Solomon was wise in this. He asked a good question. Rumor has it, I don't know if it's rumor, legend, history, or what, but that Einstein's mother, somebody wise's mother, said, when you come home from school, don't tell me all the good answers you gave. Don't tell me how well you did. Tell me, did you ask a good question? Ask yourself that every day. Have I asked a good question today? Solomon, in all of his success, and he was very successful, Solomon was able to ask a good question. And this was it. When he was dedicating the temple of God, Solomon did build the temple that David had in his heart. He built a wonderful temple in the city of Jerusalem. It took him seven years to build it. And it was glorious, and it was overlaid with gold, and it was beautiful, and it had beams of cedar from Lebanon brought in. And the best craftspeople in the world came and built this temple. But the temple was just a temple. It was just a building. What is a temple for? For worship. How can you worship in an empty temple? You need the presence of God. Now, in all the temples surrounding, the temples to local deities, their thought was, we build the temple, and God will descend into the temple, and then we will worship him. But they never saw God descend into the temple, so they would build idols to represent the God that they were hoping had descended into the temple. And so then they would go in and they would worship the idols, hoping that the God that they thought was behind the idols would receive their worship. Solomon built this temple and he knew it was empty. And so he prayed. And he prayed, oh God, come and live in this temple. Come and let your presence be among our people. Come so that when anybody, wherever they are in the world, faces towards this temple and prays in your name and says, God, help me. God, hear me. God, we need you that you will answer. Oh, Lord, hear the people who call upon you in this temple. Oh, Lord, come. And then Solomon asked a good question. He said, but can God dwell on the earth? That is a good question. And I think a lot of people have that question. Can God live amongst us? Is God really here? When my kids were small, I would say to them, Jesus is your friend. And they'd be like, I can't see him. He's not my friend. Can God live amongst us? How can we go into his presence? How can we know he's real? Solomon had that question, and I think it was a lifelong question that he grappled with. That's why he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He searched the whole world. He came up with the conclusion, life under the sun is meaningless. Life in an empty temple is meaningless. But only if you can reach beyond this life 
above the sun, to the giver of light, does life get meaning. How do you reach beyond? We had someone who comes later in scripture who gives us that answer. Solomon was all those things, beloved, anointed, gifted, diligent, successful, and he was diverted because he couldn't reach that conclusion that God can dwell with his people, that God is enough. And Solomon was diverted by all his many wives, but not just because of his wives, because they brought with them their gods. And instead of being devoted to the God of Israel, who had revealed himself to his people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, Solomon, great King Solomon, beautiful in splendor, the most majestic man on earth, would go into these little temples and worship at the shrines of Moloch and Ashtaroth and all these other gods. Why? Why would such a great king, anointed by God, called beloved by God, go and worship at these shrines? Why would you? Why would you look anywhere except turning your eyes on Jesus? For your answers in life. Why would I? But we tend to get drawn aside. Solomon was diverted. He couldn't go deep enough. And then the kingdom was divided. And it was never the same again. God told Solomon, because you have not kept your heart set on me, because you've gone to all of these other ones, the kingdom will be taken after your death. And sure enough, it was. Rehoboam, his son, took over after him. Rehoboam had even le had less wisdom, much less wisdom for sure. But Rehoboam could not even find the right counselors. Rehoboam said, went to the elders who had counseled Solomon, who had been in the land for a long time. He said, how should I lead the people? They said, lead them gently. Rehoboam said, I'm going to go check out my peers. So he went and asked his friends, and they said, don't be gentle, be harsh. And he took their advice. Where are the elders in our land? Where are those who can teach the younger generations? They need to have a voice they can listen to, a voice that speaks God's wisdom to them. And so the land was divided. And this beautiful kingdom that God had established ended up not just fighting all the enemies around like David did for God's sake, but it ended up fighting each other, infighting, infighting amongst one another. Do we have that in our church, in our communities, in our families? Infighting? Turn your eyes to God and worship him. And so now we turn our eyes to the other king, to King Jesus, the one who compared himself with Solomon. I have this picture of him out amongst the lilies of the field, because in the mountains of Galilee, in the hills of Galilee, where life is so simple, there is no temple. And Jesus went out amongst the fields, Jesus, 
who when he was baptized, God said, this is my beloved son. He named Jesus like he had named Solomon, my beloved one. Jesus was anointed. Jesus was anointed to serve. How do we know that? Did he have oil put on his head? We don't read that. But it says, he was, Hebrew says, he was anointed above his companions. And this is how we know it. Christ means anointed one. Did you know that? Christos means anointed. So Jesus was the one anointed by God to save his people, to be king of all kings. Jesus was gifted, wasn't he? He was so gifted, and he gave gifts freely to other people. Jesus was diligent, and he worked to build the kingdom of heaven. He taught, he healed, he showed it was a different kind of kingdom. Not a kingdom of power, not for sure. A kingdom of allegiances with the wrong company. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he was led into the wilderness, and he was tempted, and he turned away, and he followed the word of God. He said, it will never be anyone but my father for me. And he was successful. Jesus, though, then was crucified. The story went differently, didn't it? He was crucified, different to Solomon, but then exalted. Jesus was the exalted one, not the divided kingdom, the united one. He was exalted into glory. Out in the fields, he said, consider the lilies of the field. They are clothed better than Solomon in all his glory. Why are you worried about how God will provide for you? God provides for the lilies. God will provide for you. Do you believe it? Jesus showed us that God does dwell on the earth because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And when he left, he said, I give you my spirit to dwell amongst you. He dwells with you. And so now you have a choice to make. You have this question, does God dwell with us? And you have a choice because you are beloved. You are anointed with the spirit of grace and truth. You are gifted in your own way, not like David, but as you are, you are gifted. So what is your choice? Do you choose to grab onto the things of the world in big ways and small? Do you choose to build something, trying to find meaning in life? Or do you choose to say, all glory goes to God. I turn my face to you. My heart will be steadfast. May God give us the grace to follow the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus, who suffered because of the good choices he made. And we may too, but whose name lives on, whose kingdom will never end, and who calls us, follow me. Let's pray together.
Lord God, we thank you that you call us, that you equip us, you gift us. We thank you that you call us to follow you. And today we want to say we turn to you. We look to you as our light, as our leader, as our king. And we say, yes, you dwell amongst us. We will follow. Amen.